You are listening to the Parkview Church Podcast. To learn more about Parkview Church, including our gathering times in Palm Coast, Florida, visit us online at parkviewlife.com. Well, take your Bible, if you will, and go to Romans chapter number 12. Barry, thanks for the update. The only thing I would add to it, just two things, I guess. One, our very first year, our budget was $100,000 for the whole year. Our budget was hundred grand, so that just kind of puts things in perspective for me. And then secondly, the scoreboard is, was, and always will be this. Here's our scoreboard here. Stories. Stories. It's not nickels, it's not noses, it's stories. Stories of life change is how we mark whether being successful or not. So we're excited about the stories of uh, life change. And it is great to have so many out on uh, this first Saturday night of the new year. It is great to be in God's house. We want to fill the church with people. But way more so, we want to fill the people with God. We want to fill the church with people. But way more so, we want to fill the people with God. How many of you have ever played football at any level? Anybody ever play football at any level? Okay. So there's a difference between playing football at the park and being an NFL football player. Have you ever been up close to like a professional athlete, like specifically like a professional football player? There, I have been, I've, a couple times I've been really up close, like right next to, a, to an NFL player. They're a different species. <laughs> I mean, they're just a different species. I remember working in, um, this will kind of date me, but I was working at a retail store when I was in college and a guy walked in and I was just like, just took note of him like I didn't know anything about him didn't really I, 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 I was just like but he was an impressive specimen <laughs> now back in my day I was much more fit than I am today okay so not so much so anyway um, but I was here I was I was playing sports in college but I was working retail while I was in college and this guy walks in I'm like man so anyway, he ended up buying something from me and he handed me his American Express card. And many of you, this wouldn't mean anything to you, but he handed me his American Express card and it, I looked at it because I was curious, like, who is this guy? Well, it was Jim Everett, who was a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams at the time. I mean, he just was a different specimen. And I, so what happened was I ended up seeing several of the football players that, that, that afternoon. And they're just a different size. And it's amazing that a guy that's like, Six foot six, 280 pounds is like way more agile than anybody sitting in this room. So imagine if I said to you, hey, we're going to play some football and we're going to play against an NFL team. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you the running back on our team, and they got 11 defenders on their team. I'm going to, you be our running back. And you're like, okay, when? Well, right now. We're going to play right now. Just line up here. And I say, hey, put, put this helmet on real quick, and I'm going to hand you the ball, and then you just run. 
Now, I am who I am, and you are who you are. We are not changed, except one thing, we're going to put this helmet on you. And with this helmet on you, you're just going to, yeah, so. I told you they're a different specimen. Their heads are bigger. So, but, but imagine taking off with just a helmet and going up against 11 professional athletes. Let me, let me just tell you something real quick. You're going to get hurt. Because they not only got helmets, they got pads, they got cleats, they got braces, they got, the, they got everything. And you just got this little helmet on. You're going to get hurt bad. You're going to walk away damaged from that experience. Okay, so what I just did is I'm going to kind of twist Paul's analogy a little bit. He gave an illustration in Ephesians chapter 6 where he talked about suiting up to go to battle. Some of you in your Christianity, you have on the helmet of salvation. You have come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know that heaven's your eternal home. You know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You have the helmet of salvation. But you don't have anything else. And you're going up against the enemy with no cleats, no pads, no braces. And he's way more agile. Uh, he's, he's more athletic. I mean, so the, the important thing for us is in this sermon series, what we want to do is we want to help you get past where you're just putting on the helmet of salvation. In fact, for five weeks, we're going to look at the five marks of discipleship. Five critical essentials to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if I were talking in terms of football I would say well you know what makes a great football player um, speed athleticism agility heart mental acuity those are things probably I'd but in this series we're going to look at five marks for discipleship for followers of Jesus Christ and it's more than just putting on the helmet of salvation in fact we're going to take these five weeks and we're only going to go through one chapter of the Bible because all five marks of discipleship are found in this one chapter. And my desire for us as a church is not just where we're going in this new year. We're, 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 our minds are, and our attentions are around that right now. Like probably you got some goals, you got some resolutions, you've got some thoughts, some you've gone public with, some you're afraid to go public with, but you're thinking about some things and you're aspiring to some things and you're hoping to some things. But for me, it's this five-week series. It's not about where am I going to be in five weeks or where am I even going to be in five months, but where am I going to be in my faith in five years? Because I think if we're not careful, we'll end up just wearing the helmet of salvation and there not really be any marks of maturity. Some of you, in fact, if you looked in the rearview mirror five years ago, you're not sure that you're any different than you were five years ago in your faith. And so Romans chapter 12 is going to help us, I believe, catapult into where God would have us to be and how he would have us to live as followers of Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to look in Romans chapter 12, and I'm just going to read for us the first two verses in Romans 12. And I, this is Paul, I think Paul's greatest writing. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. 
I believe Romans is his greatest writing. I want to just read to you the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let me, let me read that verse one more time because this will be our focus. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Your best life will not come simply by embracing salvation while ignoring Scripture. You'll never experience the, the life that God has for you in its fullness by simply embracing salvation and yet ignoring Scripture. These five marks of discipleship, mark number one, really is discovered here in verse number one, and this is what I want to talk to you about this weekend. I want to talk to you about this one word and this one thought. Surrender. Because I believe the ultimate human experience is found in the surrendered life. The ultimate human experience is found in the surrendered life. Surrender, from a biblical perspective, is the act of giving up our will, our passions, our desires, our agendas, our control, and giving that over fully to God and submitting to his will. It involves our recognizing that God's purposes and God's plans are better than our own and we willingly surrender to his guidance and his direction. And by the way, surrendering to God, surrendering wholeheartedly everything to him requires a humble and submissive heart. And that's where we acknowledge that he is the ultimate authority and the ultimate source of wisdom one of the most arrogant things that i think we can do as christians and i'm not so sure that we do this consciously as much as we do it subconsciously i know i'm, I'm guilty of doing this one of the most arrogant things we can do as christians is tell god what to do now god if you know what's good for me i'm gonna go ahead and throw down this prayer request right now and i expect it to be answered by the time i say amen because I asked for it yesterday and it didn't happen. But we consciously or subconsciously, we tell God what to do. That is not surrender. In fact, I would say surrender is giving up what is not ours to begin with, which is authority. When we surrender, we're saying, God, we are not in charge. You are in charge. You are the Lord. And we're going to surrender to not our plans, our wants, our desires, our agenda, but we're going to submit to your plan. We're going to submit to your agenda. We're going to submit to your will. We're going to submit to your direction. On Tuesday this coming week, I'll have the opportunity to do something I've never done before in ministry. And uh, this coming Tuesday is actually the 
the opening session of the Florida House and Senate. And so when they have their opening session on Tuesday, it'll be a joint session. The House and Senate gather together, and that's where uh, Governor DeSantis will give his State of the State address. And this Tuesday, they've asked me to open that session in prayer. And so I'm excited about that. You know, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so um, I don't know if you ever think about what you're going to pray, but I've actually been thinking about what I'm going to pray. And In fact, I would ask you to, I've never asked anybody to do this, would you pray about me praying? Because I'm just kind of thinking through that whole thing, you know, like, what am I going to say, you know? And I, honestly, I keep coming back to this one thought, and I'll, I'm sure that I'll pray it in some way, and that is that every leader is both set up by God and taken down by God. And those in the room have been set up by God to lead. I mean, you're talking about some of those powerful and influential people, not just in our state, but in our country, because our state leads in such a way in our country. And by the way, like, I am so thankful, and I don't know, I might even pray this, but like, I'm so thankful for the leadership in our state. And I've honestly, and I'm going to get off topic for a minute, but I just, I've said to countless pastors, I feel like I need to send Ron DeSantis a tithe check every week. <laughs> because when he started taking our state in the direction that he did during COVID, people fled other states. Some of you are refugees to the state of Florida. You've left those other states with woke agendas and you came here and i'm like our church grew and don't make no make any mistake about this now this is a move of god and god's at work and all this but i'm telling you like i just owe the guy a thanks and by the way that they've not only uh been influential in our state but so much so right here in our local county like i don't know if you're aware but they were heavily invested in our school board in that last election i do like i'd, I'd like to just say thanks but no matter lead, okay, so just, all right, that was, that wasn't in my notes now, it's free, but there's some thoughts. But as I go in and pray, like I recognize everybody in there is a leader that's been set up by God. But even as leaders, we have to acknowledge there is one leader. Because it's, there's no different in your life than the governor's life. God has put you in a position of authority. You're leading in some arena, work, home, community, small group, church, you know, friends, peers, immediate family, extended family. You're leading. And you've been put there by God to lead, to have a voice, to speak, to live to let your light so shine before men that they may see his good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. They can see what we're doing and bring glory to him, but we're, we're leading, but ultimately we're leading under the leader. We're surrendering to his authority. We're surrendering to his will. We're surrendering to his plan, and we're surrendering to his agenda. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul urges believers to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And when he's encouraging them to do that, that, that act of surrender involves dedicating our entire person. See, it's not enough to have orthodoxy, but we have to have orthopraxy. 
as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, it's not enough to have orthodoxy. You have to have orthopraxy. Orthodoxy is correct belief. Orthopraxy is correct behavior. And it's not enough to just believe that he is sovereign, but we must behave like he is sovereign. And when we acknowledge his sovereignty, it begs for our surrender. It calls for our surrender to submit under the sovereign plan of God. Clement of Alexandria, who lived only some 200 years after Christ, he said this. He said, the goal of the Christian life is complete surrender of self to God. Only then can one truly experience union with God and find true peace and joy. Now, when I mentioned to you surrender, if I asked you to come up with a visual in your mind, a picture, uh, a drawing, or a painting, or a moment in time of surrender, I, I, I tell you where my first mind would, where my first thoughts would go when I think about a visual of surrender, I think about a, a waving of a white flag. A waving of a white flag where a, a soldier says that he's tired of losing and tired of fighting. So he throws up the white flag and he says, I have no more fight left in me. I've exhausted my schemes and I cannot win. Which, by the way, may be the way some of you are beginning your new year. You're, you're, you feel like you're in a, in a battle that's calling for a white flag moment. You feel like you have tried everything and you're not winning. You've done your best and your attempts and your schemes and the outcome has not gotten any better and you're exhausted and you have no more fight left in you. And so you just want to wave the white flag of surrender. Well, in our scenario, surrendering is not doing that to someone who is our enemy, but to the one who is our great helper. We are not surrendering to a soldier who is opposed to us. We're surrendering to the Savior who is for us so how do we surrender if the ultimate experience in life is surrender how do we surrender to God because Paul's saying look I brothers and sisters I beg you I beseech you I appeal to you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable which is your spiritual act of worship I'm, I'm imploring you to do this to, to a living sacrifice now, remember, he's writing to an audience that understood Old Testament terminology and they knew well dead sacrifices under that regime and that system. But now all of a sudden, Paul, being God's spokesman to the people, he's saying, look, it's not about giving to God dead sacrifices. We're, we're in an era where it's about focusing on giving to God living sacrifices, where we surrender to do his way and his will. So how do we find ourselves surrendered? Tim Keller said this, he said, surrendering to God is not a one-time event, but a lifelong journey. It requires a constant letting go of our own plans and ambitions and entrusting ourselves fully to God's loving care and guidance. C.S. Lewis, in his great writing, Mere Christianity, he said this, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. 
I will give to you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. God wants everything. In fact, if, if, if Scripture teaches us anything, it says over and over and over again, half-hearted, mediocre, fence-walking, one foot in, one foot out, doesn't work. He wants all of us. He wants us to be totally surrendered to him. So just two thoughts. Number one, the surrendered life requires ongoing dedication. The surrendered life requires ongoing total dedication. This passage emphasizes the importance of offering our entire selves in an ongoing way as a living sacrifice to God. This means surrendering not just certain area of our lives, but every area of our life. Our thoughts, our actions, our desires, our goals, our ambitions. It's an all-encompassing commitment to God. So if God, here's a question for you, if God wants everything, what one thing might you not be giving him right now? Is there an area in your life where you have said to God, you can go anywhere you want in the house except for that one room? That one room is off limits, God. That's my room. But God wants access not to most of us. God wants access to all of us. He wants every part of us. So maybe today you'd say, I don't know that I'm surrendered in my tongue. I don't know that I'm surrendered in my time. I don't know that I'm surrendered in my wallet. I don't know that I'm surrendered in my will. I don't know that I'm surrendered in my talents. Or I don't know that I've surrendered to him my thoughts. If there's any area that you have made off limits to God, that's where he wants you to surrender. And this is going to require total dedication. It's an all-in it's a total dedication. It's an ongoing total dedication to him. I'm, uh, I'm not a Braves fan. I'm actually a Phillies fan. But I was impressed nonetheless by Ronald Acuna Jr. this year, which the dude is a phenom. He came into the Major League Baseball about five years ago. He's Rookie of the Year his first year. He's been four times an all-star. Uh, he was NL. Uh, MVP this year but on top of that the dude hit 40 home runs and stole 73 bases now stealing 73 bases is is a and it's a record in baseball so he now holds the record of he stole 73 bases now let me just tell you something about stealing bases in order to get the next base you got to leave the one you're on I mean here's the thing when Ronald Acuna Jr. decided he was going to steal second base 73 times oh and by the way every time you try something you don't succeed and that's okay when you surrender to god there'll be times that you won't be successful in your surrender and you know what you do you get up the next time and you you, you go to bat again and when you get on base he, he he didn't he didn't he wasn't successful every time but but every time he tried he, in order to get the second base he had to leave first base and, and, and when the pitcher moves towards home, you got to go. I mean, the, the dude just takes off. And, and he might not be successful, but you just got to go. Some of you have just been standing on first base hoping the next guy gets a hit. And it's just time to really just commit. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, you may have heard me tell this story before, but um, 
the one writing that has marked me more in my life than any other writing outside the Bible. Okay, so the Bible has marked me most, but the number one writing that marked my life and helped set the course for my adult life, the one writing, ready for this, was a nursing home survey. And I'm so thankful that I read this when I was young married. And they surveyed the people in the nursing home and they said to the people in the nursing home, if you could do life all over again, what would you do differently? And the number one answer that was given in this survey was, if they could do life over again, they would take more risks. And so as a young married guy, I just determined that when I got to the nursing home, if they asked me what I would do over again, I wouldn't give them that answer. I might give them another one, but I'm not giving them that one. Because I just saw a lot of wisdom in that. And I thought, the cumulative wisdom of a large group of people in a nursing home, when asked if you could do life over again, what would you do differently? And they say, take more risks. You got my attention. And so not only has Scripture marked me deeply, but for my life, I've just decided that I'm going to take more risks. And I get it. To you, maybe surrendering your life to God is very risky. And, I, and it may seem like that, but it's the most worthwhile endeavor you could ever undertake. Surrendering to his sovereignty and his will and his plan and his agenda and his desires and his outcomes, surrendering to him is the best thing you and I could ever do. And we just do it again and again and again and again. You're not going to come in here the first weekend of January 2023 and totally surrender your life to God and never have to do that ever again. It's just going to be an ongoing experience. Eugene Peterson said this. He said, Christianity is long obedience in the same direction. Christianity is long obedience in the same direction, surrendering each and every day. Paul said to the church of Galatia, Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the surrendered life. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The surrendered life requires ongoing dedication. Secondly, our second principle out of our text, the surrendered life requires active participation. Ongoing dedication and active participation. Okay, so I have, um, <laughs> it's funny, I have two religious cliches that are pet peeves of mine. Okay. One has nothing to do with the sermon, the other does. The, the pet peeve that I have of a religious cliche that just drives me crazy when I hear it is when somebody dies and then somebody says to that loved one who's remaining, well, the Lord just needed another angel. <laughs> when people say that I just cringe from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet for many reasons, but one of them is because in order for us to become an angel when we get to heaven, it would be a step down for what God has planned for us. So I don't ever want to be an angel. It's not even biblical. So when people say, well, God just needed another angel, I'm like, shut up. That's the stupidest thing. <laughs> That's not in my notes. I apologize. All right, second pet peeve. Second pet peeve. Religious cliche. Are you ready for it? Let go and let God. 
just let go and let God. Like there's something inadequate that we're not doing and, 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 and we failed. And if we would just let God and let go and not worry about it, just let go and let God. That is so unbiblical, number one, and so stupid, number two. But anyway, surrendering is not let go and let God. Surrender not only involves total dedication, but it involves active participation. How do we surrender to God? We actively participate with God. We don't sit back and sit on our hands and say, well, God, whatever you want, I'll just let go and let you. One of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard. He said, surrendering to God is not passive resignation, but it's an active cooperation with God's work in our lives. It involves aligning our desires, thoughts, and actions with God's will. So surrendering to him is not a passive resignation. Surrendering to him is active participation. It involves actively engaging with God through prayer and meditation and scripture reading and surrender and worship that each and every day, we're not just gonna be like, well, God, if you want me to grow spiritually, you just make something happen. Like, God, just throw some pixie dust down here on me. No, we're not gonna just sit back we're going we're gonna to actively surrender to God. We're going to actively participate. And, and by the way, when we actively participate in surrender to God, we're not willing to live off of somebody else's spirituality, but we're going to find our, our own spiritual rhythm. Actively surrendering to God is not you or I leeching off of somebody else's spirituality surrendering to God is where we develop our own daily office with the Lord and let me just tell you if, if you're like looking for a way to connect to God on a daily basis actively participating where every day you're going to come to him you're like yep same thing as yesterday God I surrender to you your will, your plan, your agenda, your whatever the, I, listen, I'm surrendering to you, but I'm gonna be active in this because I'm gonna get in your word, I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna seek you. And if you're looking to have your own daily office, your own daily rhythm, call whatever your devotional time. Let me just encourage you, I've been blown away by a devotional I just started this week. And I'm only doing it because a couple of other people recommended it to me, and I've seen it recommended the last couple of years. But if you don't have your own spiritual rhythm, I want to encourage you to, and you can write this down, you can look it up, but it's called the Bible Recap. The Bible Recap. Now, for me, I should have brought my phone out here. So on my phone, I have the YouVersion Bible app. Any of you ever use the YouVersion Bible app? Okay, so a number of you, no surprise. So the YouVersion Bible app, if you go on the U, if you just go to apps and you download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, it's got like 10,000 plans in that app of whatever you could read the Bible. But go to that app and in that app, and you could also find it on the website or find, Google the Bible recap, you'll find it. But I just happen to use the YouVersion Bible app. And then in that, I, I, I hit the plan and, it, and I'm doing the Bible recap. And every day it sends me an alert, because I set it up, every day it sends me an alert, 
And what it does is I read through the Bible chronologically this way. So it's not like just start in Genesis and end in Revelation. Because like, for example, already in week one, I'm reading in the first part of Job. I don't know if you're aware of that, but like Job's in the middle of the Old Testament, but he was a contemporary of like Genesis chapter seven. So now I'm reading it chronologically. But I have to confess something to you. You probably have never had this thought, but I have. I've read my chapters for the day, and I've closed my reading, and I thought to myself, please don't think any less of me. I hope you'll come back next week. But I've thought to myself, what did I just read? What was that all about? And what this Bible recap does is it gives your reading and then the last thing is a six to eight minute video where this gal just explains eloquently what you just read. And she hits the highlights. It is a great reading plan. And I've said this to you on countless occasions, and it's not about me, it would be about whoever would be leading and preaching and pastoring this church. But what you don't want to do is make your pastor or your spouse or some small group leader be the one that's spoon feeding you the word of God now open wide you're gonna like it come on come on zoomy zoomy come on it tastes good and you're like mm. no it tastes good come on don't make somebody else feed you have your own spiritual rhythm don't live off of somebody else's spiritual life and this is, this is where we don't let go and let God. This is where we actively participate with him in the process. Colossians chapter three and verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. James two and verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. So we are to actively participate. Richard Foster said this. He said, to truly surrender to God means letting go of our self-will and embracing God's will for our lives. It is a daily surrender, a daily dying to self, a daily trusting in God's goodness and wisdom. And I go back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. We have the words recorded, Matthew 6 and verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I love the word seek. It's active participation. See, I truly believe that the ultimate experience in the human life is surrender. Like, God, I don't know. I don't know. Like, if you said to me, hey, pastor, you've been here 26 years. What do you think the next six years looks like for our church? I don't know. I don't really know. Does it scare you? Uh, sure. Probably like your life scares you. Like, God, what's going to happen in six years right from now? What are my kids going to be like? What are my grandkids going to be like? What's my occupation going to look like? What's my retirement going to look like? What's my health going to look like? And you're like, I don't know. 
She's like, yeah, I can't control all this. I can't control the outcome. I, I can't write the plan and make it come into fruition. I got no idea, God, but I know this. I'm going to come to you every day and just surrender. It's a hands-off approach. My kids, my grandkids, my life, my health, my finances, my time, my talent, my ministry. Like, God, here it is. It's yours. I'll, I'll hold it loosely, but I'm going to surrender it to you. Now, that doesn't mean I'm just going to sit in an easy chair. I'll meet you every day, God. And we're have the same pretty much conversation every day. I'm yours. Do what you want. Because I've tried to control this and it hasn't worked so far. Being a control freak in Christianity is a total setup for failure. So I'm just going to come to you each and every day and I'm going to seek your face. I'm not living off anybody else's spirituality, God. Here I am looking for fresh manna. Feed me from heaven today. And I got nothing. And what I do have is yours. I'm just surrendering it all to you. You want my car? You can have it, God. You want my house? You can have it, God. You want my kids? They're yours. My marriage? Yours, God. Surrendered. But I'm dedicated to this. And I'm going to be active with it. I'm going to seek first you. Paul said, the first mark of discipleship he said, I beg you, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present yourself as a living sacrifice. Surrender to him to discover what is that good and acceptable and pleasing act of worship. So might we experience the ultimate human experience, the surrendered life to God. Maybe you're here because you're like, you know what? I just need to get started off on a spiritual note. I'm probably not going to be any accident that our attendance is going to be super large this weekend. Typically is. Every first weekend of every new year, we could track the attendance. People are like, I got to get started off on the right foot. What do I do? Well, step one, surrender to him. And if you come back the next four weeks, we'll talk to you about five marks of discipleship now here's what I want you to do I'm going to help you put this on steroids really get the maximum out of this I think we're in a neighborhood of like 70 small groups that start meeting this week it's a crazy number of groups we've got 30 brand new groups that have never met before with new leaders ready to take a massive influx of people Hundreds and hundreds of people will participate all over the city one night a week for five weeks. One night, five weeks. And you'll go over some discussion questions that are right in line with this topic. In fact, I've already shot a video. It's like a five or six minute video to get your small group started on this very topic we just talked about. And then you'll interact and you'll talk and you'll share with your, whatever you're comfortable. But there'll be a leader there to facilitate and to lead the group and tonight if you're not already signed up and I don't know how many hundreds of people already are but if you're not signed up when you go out on the patio tonight outside they'll be happy to sign you up and get you plugged in a group because we want you to start your new year really embracing what God has for you and step number one is the surrendered life let us pray
Lord, we don't just want to fill the church with people, but we want to fill the people with you. And might this year, these five weeks, starting off this year, really shape not just who we are in five weeks or five months, but in five years and beyond. Truth is, Lord, I'm still discovering what it means to surrender to you. Because, see, I've had my, my whole agenda set up here. And if you would just do what I've been telling you to do, God, I feel like things would go better. And that's my narrow-mindedness. That's my shallow spirituality when speaking when I think that. So once again, teach Greg what it really means to surrender everything. Lay it at your feet. Give it all to you. Be totally committed to that and then to actively participate with you in that. Lord, I'm so proud of our small group leaders. I'm so thankful for these men and women who have gone through some training and learned some things and got set up for success. And now they're saying, hey, we'll open our home. And for the next five weeks, we'll invite people in and we'll just journey together on these marks of discipleship. Lord, I pray for these some 70, 60, 70 small groups. Lord, I pray you're blessing over the time together I pray, thank you for the connection that will happen the friendship that will happen the enjoyment of just doing life together which is how you've designed us you didn't create us to be doing this alone living on an island to ourselves Christianity is not a solo sport but it's a community event you've hardwired us to do life together. And I pray your blessings, Lord, over these small groups that begin meeting this week. Lord, I'm looking forward to the one that I'm going to be a part of. Lord, there are some here that have never been a part of a small group, but if they would just take a small, small step for five weeks, Lord, I know that you could reveal yourself to them and the joy and the delight that they could discover would be so beautiful. Lord, really help us start from a posture and a position of surrender. It's not enough to have the orthodoxy that you are sovereign. There must be an orthopraxy that we are surrendered to the one who is sovereign. Help us to live our life that way. And we thank you for it. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.